प्रभते Bhagavad Gita as it is. Say, can you say? Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita as it is. Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita on my will. On my will. On my will. Translation and commentary by His Divine Grace Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, founder Acharya Risko. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Chapter 10, text 12 and 13. Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Pavitram, Paramam Bhavan, Parusham, Shashvatam Divyam, Adi Devamajang Vibhum, Ahustam Rishaya, Sarabhade Varshya, Naradasthatha, Asito Devalovyasa. Swayam Chaiva Bravishi Me. So read the translation and report. Krishna, every day of our lives we're hearing about so many different topics. About our local family affairs and local politics, national politics, international politics. Throughout our lives and for many, many lives, we have heard about and discussed so many different topics. But now we are very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to hear about and discuss about Krishna. Because, actually, we are all parts and parcels of Krishna and servants of Krishna. But forgetting Krishna, we have come to this material world. Krishna bhuli sejiv anadi bahirmuk ataiv maya tare deya shangshara duk. Forgetting Krishna, the living being is from time immemorial inimical to him. And therefore, Maya, which is uh, an energy of the Lord, forces the living being to suffer in this material world. So because we are all part and parcel of Krishna, we cannot be happy without Krishna. Just like a fish out of water can never, never, never be happy unless he is again placed in the water. If you take a fish out of water, you can offer him a claw. Huh? It's made out of fish. No, no. Salwa is famous. Yeah. Huh? Halwa from Tirunelveli is very famous. Oh, you can offer Tirunelveli halwa. Yes. <laughs> they like to eat stew more. Some kinds of fish. Anyway, you can offer them Tirunelveli halwa. You never make them. <laughs> or you can offer one crore rupees. You can offer the uh, a Ford car made in Chennai. Ford Chennai. Ford car? Yeah, they're made in Chennai. Ford city. So none of these things can make the fish happy. He only wants to go back to the water. So similarly, we are parts and parcels of Krishna and we can never be happy unless we are in our real position, which is in relationship with Krishna. So we should make this habit of remembering Krishna by regularly hearing and chanting about Krishna. But we must properly understand who Krishna is. Sometimes it is considered that Krishna is one kind of God and there are many different gods. However, from this statement of Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, we understand actually who Krishna is. Arjuna says, Param Brahma, you are the supreme absolute truth, Krishna. This means that Krishna is superior even to all the other different gods. And in fact, all the different gods, they are actually very uh, inferior to Krishna, being dependent upon him. So a devotee of Krishna respects all the different devatas, but he understands very clearly that Krishna is supreme. And Krishna is Param Dhamma. But generally Dham that means a place. 
Krishna, dham means uh, the resting place. So all living beings, they rest in Krishna. Actually, we cannot avoid Krishna. Generally, people are not talking about Krishna. They're talking about so many other things, which simply cause them to be born and die again and again and again. But everyone is in contact with Krishna, but those who do not worship Krishna directly and accept his supremacy are in contact with Krishna through the agency of his external energy, which causes them to suffer repeated birth and death. Next, Krishna says, Pavitram Paramam Bhavam. You, Krishna, are the supremely pure. Now, sometimes there are doubts about this because it is known that Krishna, for instance, is dancing with the gopis. And for various reasons, Krishna is sometimes accused of being immoral or impure. Have you heard people say such things? But we should consider if Krishna is actually impure, then why is he worshipped in so many temples? Why do great acharyas like Ramanuja Acharya, Madhva Acharya, Shankara Acharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who are all great sannyasis, worship Krishna if Krishna is immoral or impure? And even today, in our Krishna conscious movement all over the world, we are promoting a very pure way of life. That one should live a very moral life and not take meat or fish or eggs or gambling or have intoxication. <coughs> say meat, fish and eggs, the people understand because sometimes they say eggs are vegetarian. Nowadays they say. Not vegetarian, non-vegetarian. Omelette and all these things, non-vegetarian. So our Krishna conscious movement is promoting this pure way of life. So... Why should people from all over the world who are following these principles of purity do so if the person they are worshipping, Krishna, is himself not supremely pure? And why should our great Acharyas, who were very highly learned in philosophy and lived a very strict moral life, why should they worship Krishna if Krishna is not supremely pure? Krishna is so pure that simply by chanting his name one can be freed from the results of more sinful activities than he's committed in millions of lifetimes. So we should not just reject, oh, Krishna impure. We should understand that there is something very deep here, very deep understanding is required. And actually that is the fact. As it is ex described in Shastra and explained by the Acharyas, for instance, when Krishna is dancing with the gopis, the gopis only externally appear to be the wives of others, but actually they are the antaranga shakti, internal energy of Krishna. So Krishna is the supreme pure, and by worshipping him one becomes purified. And Krishna is purusham shashvatam divyam. He's the eternal transcendental person. Devi? Devi. Oh, Sometimes it, there's a misunderstanding that the Supreme is not a person, but it's simply a, an abstract, undefined, impersonal light. But this is not the conclusion of Bhagavad Gita or indeed of all the Vedic scriptures. The conclusion of all Vedic scriptures is that Krishna is the Supreme Person and that He is Supreme. So Bhakti means to develop our relationship with Krishna. And that relationship is eternal. It is not that we are doing Bhakti now, and then by doing bhakti we get moksha and then we stop doing bhakti, we become one with God. It's not like that. Rather, by performing bhakti, we develop or revive our eternal relationship with Krishna which continues even after mukti. So Krishna is described also as Adi Deva. That means he is the origin of all the different demigods. Yang Brahma, Varanendra, Rudra, Maruta, Stunvanti, Divyai, Stavai, 
all the great different demigods are simply offering prayers to Krishna. Yam Brahma, Varunendra, Rudra, Maruta, Stundanti, Divyai, Starai. It's the first line of a verse from Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, Brahma, Rudra, Varuna, Indra, Marut, and all the other demigods, they're offering obeisances to Krishna, prayers to Krishna. Indra, and Krishna is unborn. He's not a person like us who is forced to take birth by his karma. We get a certain kind of body according to our karma. It may be according to our liking or less so. Some people are born with some speech defect or some other physical defect or mentally weak like that. Or sometimes we see that men are doing some exercise to try to make their body more strong. That means they're not satisfied with the body the way they have it now. They want to try and make it more strong or like that. Or for the ladies, now it's very popular, beauty parlors. That means they're not satisfied with their body as it is. They want to make it more beautiful. Actually, we have a, we have a good secret for the ladies, how you can become very beautiful. You put on nice Vaishnava Tilak and you chant Hare Krishna. And then you'll become very blissful and you'll, by the spiritual bliss, that alone will make you more beautiful than any makeup. That material beauty, that is one thing. That is only decoration of a body which is anyway made of blood and stool. But if we chant Hare Krishna, that gives real spiritual beauty. So anyway, Krishna, he's not performing exercises to become stronger. Because he's already the strongest. <laughs> Even when he was a tiny baby, so many great Rakshasas and Rakshasis were coming. And Krishna in play was killing them and in that way liberating them. And Krishna is so beautiful that he's famous as Shamasunda. Krishna is known as Sham because he's somewhat blackish in his feature. Generally in India they think that you should not be very black, you should be more white. In the advertisements for marriage they say fair or wheat colored or something. Wheat is some funny things. Like or they have uh, fair and lovely skin cream. This is Wheatish. He's successful. His life is successful. He's Wheatish. Or they have this fair and lovely skin cream. Sometimes. But Krishna is the supreme and he's known as Sham. He's Shama Sundar. Very beautiful. He's so beautiful that even all the Kandarpas of all the universes are defeated by his beauty. Cupid, Madan, Kamadev, Kandarpa, what do you say in your language? I don't know. Manmata. Another name. Yeah. This name Manmata, it means just like when you make the butter, so like that, he does that to your mind. He makes your mind go, get churned up. That's that's the meaning of manmata. The mind gets all agitated. That's right. But Krishna is known as manmata nath. He is the master of manmata. So Krishna is supremely beautiful. He appears to be born in this world, but actually he he just appears for the sake of his own lila. And he is vibhu. He is full of all transcendental opulences. He is supremely powerful. He doesn't have to do exercises to become powerful. He doesn't need to go for elections to become voted as God. So it's better you worship Krishna. I see in almost every house in Tamil Nadu, they have a picture either of Jai Lalita or Karunanuti. In general. Oh, yeah. 
Sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, we have no contact with politics. But we would like to comment that instead of worshipping or giving so much respect to these mortal people of this material world, better that we should worship Krishna. Because actually the politicians, although they promise many things, they cannot actually help us in the real sense of the term. The politicians cannot save us from birth and death. They cannot give us the eternal bliss of spiritual life. So our recommendation is that instead of going to political meetings and shouting, woo, 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 this, that, go to a meeting of devotees and with the same energy chant Hare Krishna. Actually this politics is just another disturbance to the mind. In, the materi in material life, especially in the modern life, there are already so many disturbances to the mind. And politics is just one more disturbance. So, better we chant Hare Krishna. With the same endeavor that, or the time that we spend in politics, watching TV and so many different things, if we chant Hare Krishna, we can be very blissful and we will go to the spiritual world to live with Krishna eternally. So our recommendation is, please chant Hare Krishna. Study Bhagavad Gita as it is. Eat only Krishna Prasad, food that is offered with love to Krishna. In this way, lead a very pure and happy life and prepare ourselves to go to the spiritual world to live with Krishna eternally. Is it a good idea? I think I'm putting my hand up in the, for the right thing here. Does anyone have any questions about this? They're not ready yet. He's, ask, he's asking, you were born as a Christian, so how come you took to this Krishna consciousness? He wants to know so he can tell others. Yeah, well, I was born in England, and uh, what you might call a very, very ordinary kind of background. My mother was quite religious, and she wanted her children to be. Actually, she wanted me to be a missionary. <laughs> missionary, missionary, say in Tamil. Tamil, it must be the same word. But from a young age, I wasn't very satisfied with Christian religion, actually. Because I saw that the priests, they say one thing, but they do something else. I saw different priests who were alcoholics, chain smokers, watching TV all day. And I had some questions about Christianity, that why did they say only Christianity? They say, if you don't follow, if you don't follow Christianity, then you must go to hell forever. But uh, I knew that in other traditions throughout the world, there are many saintly people who believe in God. So why is it that if you believe in God, but you don't know about Jesus, that you have to go to hell? It doesn't make any sense. So another thing is, if they say, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you have to go to hell forever. Do they still preach like that? They, 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 they do the same. They do, yeah. Only But then I thought that, well, you see, they said they tell me that God is my father. Now, my physical father, he's not God, but if I do something wrong, he punishes me. But then he gives me another chance. However bad I am, he wouldn't just throw me to burn forever. So I thought this idea of God who burns you in hell forever, this has got to be wrong. And then when I heard about reincarnation, I thought, this must be right, because God must give you many chances, not that he just dis just throws you in hell forever with no chance. But actually, um, for some time I wasn't interested in any religion at all, because I thought, you see, this Christianity, their philosophy is so bogus. 
And then uh, if you see anything else, all these Indian religions, they're also all bogus. All the gurus and swamis, they're all just cheating. And then I became so disgusted with the whole way of life that everyone is just simply... Uh, everyone is just simply interested in himself and this completely trivial, interested in completely trivial things. Everyone is simply... I could see everyone is simply interested in money and sex, which pretty much describes India today. Which... That, that description is pretty much, that also fits to modern India. Yeah, nowadays in India people are basically interested in money and sex, that's all. So everyone was expecting me to go on and become a great success. But actually I had no interest in becoming a great success. I was supposed to go to university but I just, I couldn't go, despite everyone trying to tell me to go. I just, I had no Inter very great distaste for the idea of going to university. Because I thought, why should I follow the same path as all these other people who are simply miserable and frustrated and trivial and they have no idea what the purpose of life is. So I also had no idea what the purpose of life was. But I thought it's got to be more than simply this useless life that people are leading. So fortunately, uh, I came in contact with this Sankirtan movement of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as given by Srila Prabhupada. I found all the questions, to uh, all the answers to my questions. Very pure way of life. A life uh, based on dedication to God, which is certainly the highest and only real purpose of life. A life based on dedication to God, the Supreme Person, which is certainly... The, uh, anyway, say that first of all. Which is certainly the only... the highest and the only real purpose of life. It was very important to me also that this wasn't just some new kind of religion that was dreamed up a few years ago, but that was based on ancient shastras. It's very important that we have to follow a parampara that comes from time immemorial, not, some, not just some swami who makes a TV program and makes himself popular with no backing of previous acharyas. And I could see that devotees in the Krishna Consciousness Movement were very sincere. They weren't <coughs> practicing Krishna Bhakti for any material purpose. But they're actually very, very serious to understand God. That was the spirit of Jesus. He sacrificed everything for God. Spirit, attitude. That was actually the spirit in the early church also. But uh, nowadays religion, whether you say Christianity or Hinduism or whatever, people, they're not actually very serious to understand who is God and to surrender to Him. So it's not really a question of Christianity or Hinduism. It's a question of who's serious to understand God and surrender to Him. Spiritually, it doesn't really help us very much to, uh, com to try to combat fanatical Christianity by becoming a fanatical Hindu. Spiritually, it does not help us to try to combat fanatical Christianity by becoming a fanatical Hindu. Rather, we should try to develop actual spiritual saintly qualities. If Hindus and Christians struggle with each other and make politics against each other and fight with each other, that won't be pleasing to God whether you think he's Jesus or whether you think he's Krishna. What Jesus taught and what all great Acharyas of Sanat and Dharma have taught is to love God. So on the social level, there may, it may be perceived that there is a need for political activity to contain the activities of certain so-called religious groups. That was a tough one, yeah. I'd have a tough time trying to translate that myself into another language. Yeah, on the social level, uh, it may seem that there is a need 
to perform political activities to counteract the activities of certain so-called religious groups. But on the purely spiritual level, we should chant Hare Krishna and keep aloof from all politics. Okay. Rascal, rascal, it's another word. What to do? This democracy has engaged every day. They, previously, the politics was only for a few people, but now democracy has involved everybody to their, to their, uh, for their misfortune. Previously, the Rajas would just fight amongst each other, and the common people, it didn't make any difference to them. But democracy means they have to involve everybody. Unfortunately. Better chant Hare Krishna. It really doesn't make that much difference to our day-to-day -day life which party's in power. Does it really make a very great difference? Whichever party's in power, the price of everything just goes up anyway. They all promise so many things, but practically they all do the same thing. They just put all the prices up. And some may be more corrupt than others, but they're all corrupt. So, your vote isn't going to change that. Chant Hare Krishna. She's asking, <laughs> demons, they have offended the Vaishnavas, they have done horrible things against Vaishnavas, so, which is not pardonable. But how come the Lord pardons such heinous acts? She's saying about Shishupal and everything? Yeah, Shishupal, like, uh, comes from the... They torture the devotees, they did a lot of Vaishnava. How come? Well, that's Krishna's special mercy on them. There is actually no redemption from such sinful activities. But actually, in one sense, the demons, they're also serving Krishna because they're expanding Krishna's pastimes by being present in them. By being present in Krishna's pastimes, they're adding, they're, they're adding some flavor to his pastimes. Krishna protects his devotees, but if the demons didn't come to attack his devotees, then how could Krishna show that he was protecting them? So although Kansa, through his agency, many brahmanas and cows were killed, but he wasn't able to do anything to Krishna's very close devotees in Vrindavan. And although he tortured Vasudev and Devaki, still we see that uh, they were so good-hearted that they forgave him. Vasudev <coughs> and Devaki. So it's a very interesting question. So let's know how we came That I discussed in the lecture, that when we forget Krishna, then we come to this material world. There is all, because we are Part and parcel of Krishna, we have the independence to choose whether or not to serve Krishna. Without that independence to choose whether or not to serve Krishna, then there is no question of actual love for Krishna. So without that, uh, the fact that there is that independence means that there is the possibility of also that some will misuse it. It seems inconceivable that we would misuse it, but the possibility is there. But uh, having come to this situation, we should now get out of it, isn't it? Yeah, the, the first thing is you have to get out, and then, yeah, you can give that example. That question came about what to say to Christians. That question came about what to say to Christians. The question came about how to say to Christians. Previously, we had a question about what to say to Christians. Why don't you translate it? He doesn't understand. Somehow or other, probably. Uh, 
feeling fatigued from so much translation. No, not particularly. It's uh, something like I feel it's not connected to it. It's not connected with this question. It's connected with the previous question. Ah, Everyone else can understand. So you can do that. Can you can you say? Well, it may be different in this area, but generally we find that it's not very easy to discuss with Christians because they don't really want to discuss. They just want to pound on your head. You become a Christian or you go to hell. So is it like that also here with most of the Christians? Uh, yeah. As far as yes, in people, Christians are like that. Yeah, so there's not really that much point to discuss. What can you discuss? You can just say that... No, I don't, that I don't think that all of my forefathers were complete fools and they haven't all gone to hell, as you are saying, because they weren't Christians. And I'm very satisfied with the religious process I'm following. And I don't think God is so unkind with me that if I have made a mistake, he'll burn me in hell forever. So, Hare Krishna to you. Have a good day. You can speak to them like this. <laughs> He's asking by performing Krishna conscious activities, uh, we get uh, relieved of the sin, and ultimately we also reach a car, reach car. But uh, how how they are living in a day which are living in other bodies, like mm. trees in tree bodies, where they, they attain perfection or they come out of that entanglement. But generally, one has to go through. The, yes, th- those who are in the lower species, they're there because they're suffering due to sinful activities that were performed in human life previously. And generally they have to wait to come to the human form of life to get the chance to engage in Krishna conscious activities. However, the devotees of Krishna, they can also help living entities in lower forms of life. Because if they chant the holy names, then other living beings in lower species of life, they can also be benefited by that. Pashu paki kita adi balite na pare shunile harinam tara o tare the Pashi, Pashu, Pakshi, Keet. Pashu, Keet means, means uh, yeah, like that, insects, worms. They can't chant Hare Krishna. But if they hear the holy names, they can also be benefited, they can also be delivered. So it's, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement means to go out and chant Hare Krishna and then all living beings are benefited. So if you become a pure devotee of Krishna, then by your chanting you can deliver so many living beings. But first you... Chant Hare Krishna yourself very seriously and in your family you try to make them Krishna.